Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, good evening, welcome to this week's Man of the Post Extra Time. I'm your host, I am Chris. Uh, no Mark this week, Mark is uh, in Milan with his right said French friends. Um, with me instead, I've got Alex, how are you doing? I'm alright, how are you? Grand, thank you, Rich, you're back again. I am, I am. Right. You can't keep a good man down. No. Or indeed a shit one. <laughs> or away. <laughs> um, right, well this week we're going to talk about the FA, I didn't ask you, hey, are you okay? You just asked me. You yeah. like literally just asked me about a minute ago. Did I? I think so. Well, how are you anyway? Or are we just like so wrapped up in English politeness that we're... <laughs> I can't remember if I did ask you how you were or not. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe you just asked me... No. I... Fuck no. I'm fine anyway. How yeah. are you? Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Very good Brilliant. indeed. Um <laughs> Yeah, we're going to talk about the FA Cup this week. Uh, we will be predicting this weekend's uh, of games, or predicting previewing, uh, a bit of news, and we'll be talking about our Stoke Five Assigned team. But first of all, we've had a question from regular listener Alan Marshall. Um, he's asked on our Facebook page, which I can't believe people are still posting to. Um, the worst away kit you can remember. He's gone Coventry City, 1978, that brown kit. You're a Southampton fan. Can you think of anything? Um, I, I remember that now this would have been when I was at boarding school when I, when I was 12, cause I'm posh. I got sent to boarding school and my, my friend, Nick Donaldson, who I'm still friends with, he's a lovely chap. He had the, uh, the Chelsea 94, 95 away kit, which was that disgusting gray with weird orange bands on it. Oh Yes. Um, and I remember looking at that and and thinking if if that's football, I want no part of it. <laughs> so I would I would probably have to go with that for sentimental reasons, if nothing else. Southampton have actually pretty consistently been a team with good kits, so it would be quite difficult. I think some of the goalkeepers' kits in the in the kind of nineties were pretty horrific, but I think that's that's generally the case, isn't it? Um, but I could, there's not a main kit that springs to mind for Southampton as being particularly bad. I'm not a massive fan of that yellow and blue stripes you had. I seem to remember Letizia wearing it. I, I mean, it was all right. I don't know. It was okay. I mean, yeah, with, with Southampton, people tend to think of that Manchester United wake it, don't they? Uh, that the one where they couldn't see each other. That's the one. <laughs> and, and we was it six three six three. Yeah, but wasn't that actually much more to do with the fact that Massimo Taibi was crap? Yeah, I don't think he played in that game. Was it not that game? Or no, that, that was at the Taibi Dell, wasn't it? was a different game then. Yeah, the, the Dell was... The 6-3 game was at the Dell. Right. It was 1-0 with the Taibi game at Old Trafford. Who was in goal for United in that 6-3 game then? Schmeichel, I should imagine. 
all, yeah. these, all these victories against Manchester United, they blur into one, don't they? Right. You know. There's been maybe. so many. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, sadly. Uh, right, well, FA Cup this week, it was, um, first thing I got written down is Leicester City nil, Spurs 2. Um, if you're Claudio Ranieri, are you secretly happy with that? Yes. I'd have thought so as well. I, I would suggest so, because, uh, I mean, I really like Leicester, and, and it would be, it would be great for, for a number of reasons, um, if they won, or even if they just managed to stay in the hunt to the, the Champions League qualification. The caveat to that is I can't stand Jamie Vardy, but, you know, one swallow does not a summer make. Um, I think they are, as a team, more reliant on him and Mares than any other teams are reliant on one or two players. So any any result that reduces the exposure of those two to repeated games has got to be a good thing. Uh, for Ranieri and, and a cup run is inconsequential when compared to the possibility of Champions League qualification for a team like Leicester. Yeah, and Spurs have got the prospect of um, the FA Cup, the league, and Thursday Night Football, the Europa League as well. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I was I was listening to some, I think it was the Guardian podcast, which actually I, I'm generally not a fan of because I think it's kind of past being informative and, and gone via sarcasm up its own arse. But, um, <laughs> I John... nicked loads of stuff from there. <sighs> yeah, well, yeah, but you didn't nick Barry Glenn Denning, so you're all right. Um, okay. <laughs> Jonathan Wilson, though, who obviously is both a good guy and knows what he's talking about, was saying that, that you know, Spurs... Spurs and Everton, actually, he included in this, will probably, will probably look back on this season as, as being really big missed opportunities. Um, and I think one of the reasons that that Spurs might have missed an opportunity in that respect is just how many games they've got going on and still being involved. Um, yeah, like it, it does, it does weigh on a team, particularly when a lot of the driving force of that team is still quite young. Um, whether it's Eric Dyer or Deli Ali or um, Tom Carroll. You know, then Harry Kane, they're not old guys and the pressures, the mental pressures of playing regularly, the physical pressures of playing regularly will be telling on them. Um, so I'm not sure Pochettino is necessarily going to be overwhelmed by having won that game either. No, I can imagine you probably wouldn't be as well. Um, one win in seven though for Leicester. <sighs> yeah, but, you know, every everyone has little blips and slides don't they I think I think you can generally I think the impact of a a good cup run on a struggling side is a lot more important than a bad cup run on a side doing well if that makes sense yeah I understand yeah I understand that um right Liverpool 3 Exeter City nil. uh I went to bed at half time because I'm <laughs> just so so fed up Joe Allen scored after 10 minutes um, and then it was just a sort of litany of missed chances from Benteke. Um, they scored two in the second half, Liverpool did, but it took until 74 minutes to get the second. The only only good thing about this is John Flanagan came back. And I love John Flanagan to bits. His first game since May 2014 for Liverpool. He's a big reason to come back. Exeter got 700,000 from this. Which is great. Yeah, definitely. Uh, did, did you see the two veterans playing for this? Um, no, who were they? Clinton Morrison and Southampton's own Matt Oatley. 
Matt Oakley, yes. Uh, well, there was there was a fascinating article in the run up to the home leg. Uh, well, what would have been the home fixture, but turned into the home leg of this tie mm. um, in the Guardian, where they interviewed Oakley, and he was talking about being part of the tactical preparation for Exeter. And he's obviously a really smart guy. Um, very, very fondly remembered uh, at Southampton. Um, and also, he is the, um, the he's the parent at, at a school that my sister teaches at and is apparently a thoroughly nice man. So these are all great things. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, my Oakley called Root Film. He's 38 now, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's one of those players that you still kind of think he's in his late twenties, early thirties. He's very fresh faced, isn't he? He is. Yeah, yeah. makes you sick, doesn't it? Yeah, a little <laughs> bit. <laughs> uh, Aston Villa overcame their banana skin two 0 against Wickham Wanderers. Um, Clark and Kieran Clark and somebody guy with a French accent with lots of U's and E's. Idrissa, is that it? It could Idris- be. Yeah, could be. Could be. Um, Bradford nil, Berry nil. Berry won four two on penalties. This was good fun. Um, Berry's Nathan Cameron dismissed on forty two minutes. He tried to catch the ball in the centre circle because well, because he thought he'd get a free kick or something, or I, had received a free kick. I've got no, well, no. He was tussling for the ball, and he literally put both hands up and trying to catch it. <laughs> <laughs> you you sometimes see that. I, I think that's something I associate particularly with the Spanish league when someone like Ronaldo gets fouled and before. Yes, there's such an expectation the referee will give a free kick that he kind of grabs hold of the ball as he slides towards it anyway. So I don't know, maybe that's Barry was sort of channeling Real Madrid in some weird respect. Well, the only thing similar, I think it was Richard Goff back in the early 90s playing for Scotland. Uh, The ball came in from a goalkeeper's goal kick and I think he caught the ball and then got a red card and suddenly realised what he'd done. Um, well, anyway, Bradford had 19 shots compared to Berry's three. They still lost 4-2 on penalties. Um, Bristol City nil, West Brom won. Uh, I wrote nothing happened in this because I can't think of anything that would have happened. Um, no. MK Dons three, Northampton nil. Is that a local derby? Um, is anything a local derby for MK Dons? Do they actually have any sense of locality? No. Well, I tell you what they did have. In the corner of the crowd, they had about 50 people in high-vis jackets, so they all looked like a load of cheering minions. Very, <laughs> very cute. They got Chelsea, haven't they? That must be one of their most loved ties. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, Chelsea, are, are, they're not there for the taking, are they, ever, really? But as good an opportunity as any, I'd suggest. Yeah. Um. Xander Diamond conceded a penalty for Northampton. That's got to be a pretty cool name. It is a cool name. Yeah. Yeah, not cool to concede a penalty, though. It doesn't matter. You're Xander Diamond. Well, yeah, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be scant consolation to him. Uh, Plymouth 2 at Switch 1. Yeovil won Carlisle. Well, this was good fun as well. Um, a long way for Carlisle fans to come, but they won 5-4 on penalties. Um, poor Matt Dolan, whoever he is, he missed the crucial kick. Um Two red cards in this, a big fight too when uh, whoever it was equalised and then they had a big fight for the ball to take back to the centre circle and Yeovil missed a penalty in extra time as well. It's nice, it's nice for Carlisle um, to, to get through on that because obviously they've had all of those horrible problems with the flooding both in that area generally but also affecting the club itself and the club's response which I, was very well publicised. 
um, was actually to kind of decamp and get the players and coaching staff out on the streets helping people. Yes. So, um, you know, I think there's a, a kind of a feel good factor around that and, and much deserved. It's always nice when a team goes an incredibly long way in the weekend win. It's a really long way, isn't it? Yes. I mean, it, it, that must be almost as far is, is Exeter would be further, wouldn't it? But Exeter would be further. Plymouth would be further than that. Wow. Plymouth. Paul Sturrock used to manage Plymouth, didn't he? He did, and Teribo West used to play for them. Amazing. And then Paul Sturrock came and managed us for a bit. Oh, did he? Oh, he did, didn't he? Yeah. Not with any great efficacy, it must be said. No. Well, Plymouth also had Kevin Gallon, who was by far and away the greatest footballer ever. Okay. Um, I'll take your word for that. Oh, he is. You'll never see a better footballer. Okay. Maybe he's a damn. Maybe. <laughs> Uh, Bolton 3, Eastleigh 2. Um, £179 million in debt and facing a winding up order. It's hard to decide who needs this money more. I would say Bolton probably needed it more. <laughs> I would have in fairness, so. um, I, think, I think if Bolton had lost this game, then there, there just would have been a complete implosion at that club. I mean, there's so much going wrong there. and I know there are various kind of plots and plans to, to take it over. I think Dean Saunders is heading up a a conglomerate that are bidding for it or something but I mean it's it's very sad to see a team that that used to used to provide quite an intriguing presence in the Premier League with various interesting signings and you know JJ Akocha obviously being one of the greats um to now be in such dire financial straits um but also a shame to see Eastley lose because you know they're like they're near Southampton, aren't they? So, sort yeah. of, you know, it would have been nice to see them go through as well. I used to love that Bolton team of 10 years ago. Like you say, oh, JJ Cotter, Yuri Jorkiev. Yuri Jorkiev. Ivan yeah. Campo. Yeah. I, I mean, unreal. Ibrahim uh, Barr. Um, you see Yaskalainen in goal for years and years for them. Yeah, you see Yaskalainen. And then I'm trying to think of the Mexican fella, Jared Borghetti. Yes. God, yeah. What was it to like about them? Everyone, people never used to like them, did they? I think it's probably because of Big Sam, but I thought they were great. Yeah, but Big Sam, Big Sam, in some ways, is quite maligned. I mean, he, yeah, he's obviously got a slightly obnoxious way of presenting himself, but a lot of the, a lot of the um, innovations in in things like scouting, use of analytics, nutrition, stuff like that, genuinely, him along with Arsene Wenger, the, the two managers that have really brought a lot of that stuff to the English game. Yeah. And I think people people maybe sometimes look at the way that Allardyce both presents himself and sometimes sets his teams up and think, oh, you know, he's reductive, old-fashioned, blah, blah, blah. But actually, not so much. If he were less abrasive as a person, I think he'd probably get a lot more recognition for what he's achieved. Yeah, I think so too. I think you're right. I mean, I've always been a fan of what he did at Bolton and... I seem to remember he's one of the first managers to wear earpieces as well. Right, I didn't. I didn't know that. Did he also not wear a heart monitor? Yes, he did, didn't he? And and it showed that like the absolutely catastrophic levels of stress that his body went through during the course of a game, and everyone was just staggered that he was still alive. I don't think his heartbeat went below about 160 beats a minute, did it, for the match? No. I can't remember where I heard it before, but there was, I mean, it might have been The Secret Football or something like that, but someone was talking and um, it was a manager and the manager said the part of the week he hates the most and actually probably part of his life he hates the most was the 90 minutes he was managing a football team. Yeah. 
That but, wouldn't surprise me. No, other than that, he was you know he was all right with the wheeling and dealing and the training and all that sort of thing. But the actual sort of pressure cooker of a football match, he just it made him physically sick. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I just I I can't. The the stakes are so unbearably high, and I mean, pretty much at whatever level you're at, and the the vagaries of chance. You know, whether we're talking about um, bad refereeing decisions or pitches or a player having an off day or whatever you, you know it is it is out of your hands um i mean even kind of mathematically statistically people talk about how you know roughly 80 percent of a team's chances of a successful season are predicated on their wage bill so this i think this was the jonathan wilson article today actually um or yesterday you know the manager has a surprisingly limited input and yet carries so much of the can for what actually happens at the end of the day. And you see that with the way that Mourinho's gone this season, Brendan Rodgers, all of this kind of stuff. You know, to know that you're in that position where you're you're considered almost solely responsible for how a team performs when actually so much of it is out of your hands must just be a, an incredibly stressful position to be in. Oh, definitely. I mean, £5 million for Brendan getting sacked probably helped tease them. Yeah, <laughs> I suspect I suspect it will have done. Yeah, he can he can spend it on like a, a lot of spa weekends and chill the fuck out. He can spend it on another picture of himself that he's got hanging in his front room. Mm, yes. <laughs> uh, Newport lost two on to Blackburn and uh, Reading five, Huddersfield two. Uh, Huddersfield were two 0 up in this when they had a um, a man sent off, and then the Matthias Vidra hat trick helped Reading come through. Yes. So. It's- is he on loan from Watford, or is that now a permanent move? I always thought he was at Watford. Maybe it's a loan thing. I'm not too sure. Yeah, he's he's one of those those players who sort of I think he pinged around between a couple of those um, uh, Watford, Udinese, Granada. Yeah, I, I can't remember the name of the family that owns Potso. them. Potso. Potso's. That's it. That's it. I think he's played for a couple of those, and I, I suspect he's on loan. Yeah. Um, well, next round we've got Derby versus Manchester United, Colchester, Tottenham, Arsenal, Burnley, Aston Villa, Manchester City, Bolton, Leeds, Berry Hull, uh, Palace, Stoke, Forest, Watford, Oxford, Blackburn. Uh, it was a good idea to read these out at the time. I didn't realise it was so many. Mm-hmm. Um, Portsmouth, Bournemouth. Is that a local derby? Uh, yeah, just about, I guess. Why not? Yeah. They'll, they'll point towards France, don't they? <laughs> yes. Uh, Reading, Walsall, Shrewsbury, Sheffield Wednesday, West Brom, Peterborough, Liverpool, West Ham. We're going to lose. Uh, Carlisle, Everton, and MK Dons, Chelsea. The um, the loving that's going to be there. Actually, that's quite a difficult game, isn't it? Thinking about it. For Chelsea, you mean? Yeah. I would say so. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. It's. I don't. I don't know who Chelsea have got in the league before then. They got Arsenal on Sunday. Right, so that's you know it's coming off the back of a tough fixture. Um, they've not. I mean, okay, they they've improved to an extent under Heading, but they're still not winning many games. They're still a long, long way off the pace, and going to a, you know a smaller stadium with a team that are actually doing pretty well in their mm. league, and yeah, it won't be easy for them. No, definitely not. Um, but you know. Who who knows? I, I think that's a, a, a sort of the battle of who I would like less to win, <laughs> if that makes sense. Who do you want to lose the least? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can understand that. Um, would you like some news? 
Yeah. Kevin Nolan is a football manager. I saw this, yes. Uh, 33-year-old Kevin Nolan has been offered a two-and-a-half-year deal at Leighton Orient. As a player coach? Yeah. Would you want to play for Kevin Nolan? I get the impression that only dogs can hear him sometimes. A bit like Jamie Carragher. Yeah, I, I, I don't... Kevin Nolan's an odd one, isn't he? Because he, he, he's actually got a fairly good goal-scoring record for effectively a midfielder. But he's kind of... I don't know, he's never really... He's never really excited me as a player, and I don't think I've ever heard enough from him to think, either in terms of, of leadership or, or acumen about the game, there is somebody who would make a seamless transition into coaching. Mm. Um, but then he has spent a lot of his career working under the man that we've just fated, Sam Allardyce. Yeah, so. and he's been captain of most of his clubs as well, hasn't he, to be fair? This is true. Um so maybe you know maybe we're all missing a trick here and it'll turn out to be a an extraordinary success yeah uh roberto mancini has accused the napoli manager maurizio sarri of calling him a faggot um in tuesday's quarterfinal copper italia win uh, over uh, over napoli um the fourth official overheard and did nothing according to mancini he was sent off to the stands now sarri has apologized uh, but he's unsure what he did or said wrong and he said what goes on the pitch stays on the pitch somewhat contradictorily yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it's just there's a, the Italian game is you do hear some quite nasty things coming yeah. out of the mouths of owners and managers and occasionally players. Um, yeah. And I think it's a a reminder that um, that you know particularly homophobic advice uh, advice. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Abuse, abuse. I think is probably all <laughs> what I'm advice. looking for. No advice. I think the opposite of advice. <laughs> yeah. Um, is, is still rife. Um, and in fact, I saw, um, who is it? Someone, a Schalke players, um, Instagram feed. Oh, Roman Neustadter, who's like a defensive midfielder center back on his Instagram feed had posted a picture of him in some slightly garish clothing and, and just got pelted with homophobic abuse and and he said eventually basically like this is 2016 if you you know if you're gonna speak like that then just go fuck yourselves um and it you know this is something that people encounter i think around football all of the time and and the language around football even has that kind of uh homophobic edge to it you know if you if you go down when you're tackled then you're a sissy or you're wet or you're Mm. you're a fag or whatever it is and it's just you know, it, it it doesn't have a place anywhere, no. um, but it, it kind of. I would never want to say that sport should should be held to a higher moral standard than anything else, because I think a that's utterly irrational. But also, um, I think it's slightly. It, 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 I, sport shouldn't be put on a pedestal as as having to be better than anything else, because everything should be like that. But at the same time, you know, sport is so high profile. Um, that that the the things that people say and do have a resonance that isn't the case if you say it to somebody else in the street doesn't mean it's any less damaging or harmful but more people will hear it mm. and and i think stuff like that you know you you would look to a football association to take a very a very dim view of it and issue significant bans and so on but it it won't happen um, no. and that's pretty depressing uh no i think You've also got the fact that I think people are 
of have uh, there's quite a lot of emphasis on racism and uh, racist chants at the moment. Maybe homophobic chants are some little way behind that um, people have got on their radar. Yeah, and and I mean that's that's one of those utterly impossible moral questions, isn't it? You know, which is worse? That you know, it's like there isn't a worse, but um, I think that that it, it it there's something in a way there's something more insidious about the homophobic element simply because so much of the language that that's used as a form of abuse even if it's not overtly homophobic carries that resonance with it yeah um and so i I don't know but you would hope that in this day and age that you wouldn't have to contend with either but it's clearly you know it's still rife in society it's still rife in football and it's utterly utterly depressing it is um Ashley Cole is probably off to LA Galaxy, having had his contract ended uh, with Roma. Um, 16 appearances last season, none this season. Um, Nemanja Vidic is probably going to have a massive game of jeopardy in a moment. He's had his contract cancelled by Inter, and he's off to either um, the MLS or Aston Villa. Yeah, well, I think any Premier League side that's not sort of top six would, would see him as a good signing. Um, despite his age, uh, he's still, I'm sure, a very capable defender. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I mean, if I were him, I'd probably take the money available in the MLS. But, I, I would uh, as well, yeah. Um, I, I saw the press release from Roma about Ashley Cole, and they were like, following spells with Chelsea and Arsenal, or Arsenal and Chelsea, and I was like, spells is not really, <laughs> it's not quite the way I would have put, you know, a, a very long and distinguished career at both clubs, but fine. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, these things happen, I guess. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, imagine having to go live in Los Angeles. Julie Lescott might be joining him. He's off to either China or um, Los Angeles. Imagine having to make that decision. Do I live in Birmingham or Los Angeles? Yeah, it's a tough one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where I, do I, I would, go? <laughs> I would need all of two seconds to answer the question. I wouldn't even have to think about it. Yeah, exactly. Um, Alex Texeria is going to have to decide whether he wants to live in a war zone or Liverpool. Um, <laughs> there was an obvious joke there I wasn't going to go for. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as they want him for £24.5 million. Uh, Victor Valdez is off to standardly age for the rest of the season. And Alexander Pato is about to join the dark side. Uh, he's going to turn down Liverpool for Chelsea. Yeah. Why? Well, why, Alex? Why? Because I think he knows that if he plays for Jurgen Klopp, he'll get broken in about three minutes. <laughs> yeah, probably. So he's got a better chance of, of maybe managing to see out a game at Chelsea. Yeah, well, he's in a very odd position, isn't he? Because he he's owned by Corinthians, uh, but he's on loan at Sao Paulo. Um, so... He scored 17 in 62 for the Corinthians. We scored 38 in 95 for Sao Paulo. So basically, Corinthians are paying him to score goals for Sao Paulo in the same mm. league. Um, so I can imagine they probably want him away as quick as possible. Yeah, I, I would expect so. I'd also imagine that that's going to be one of those quite convoluted and strange deals involving various bits of ownership that aren't quite with either of the clubs and... Um, I mean, players coming out of South American leagues are often subject to some quite strange arrangements. So, might be one of those things that Liverpool are actually slightly better off out of. Yeah. Does he still get to call Silvio Berlusconi his father-in-law? I don't know. I've not kept up with that. No. 
I wasn't but it would, it would be good to know. Yeah, what if you're listening, Alex? Imagine if you did, we say this quite a lot. Imagine if someone actually did. If you suddenly got a tweet from Pato going, yeah, no, no, we're still going steady. That'd be great. He <laughs> <laughs> could come on next week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right, we're going to talk about the Premier League now. Um, Norwich City versus Liverpool is the early kickoff. Um, Liverpool seem to do very well against Norwich. That tends to be with Luis Suarez in the team. Yeah, Luis Suarez, who's banging them in for Barcelona at the moment. Yeah, who'd have thought that? Right, I know. But I mean, like he's—I think he's consist. Well, not cons- that's not the word. I mean, he's considerably further ahead of everybody else in terms of the number of goals scored. Um, Phil, not Phil Vickery, Tim Vickery. Uh, he thought he was very lucky not to get on the Ballon d'Or list. Um, yeah. I mean, how how do you pick between those sorts of players? Really? Yeah. I mean, it, it becomes it, it's Ronaldo and Messi and one other and how do you pick the one other out of uh, I mean I've always found things like like that to be rather bizarre because obviously there's a predilection towards forwards or attacking midfielders which as a former goalkeeper strikes me as intensely unfair mm. um, and it you know it's very very hard to, to get recognised if you're not a goal scorer um, so I don't know I mean these debates about who the best footballer in the world is and so on always seem to me slightly um, speculative on, on the basis of, of the way that they're decided. Uh, you know, is it is it about overall team ethos? Could could those players like Neymar and, and Messi do so well and score so many goals if they didn't have a Sergio Busquets in the team? Maybe, maybe not. It's probably a moot point, but, you know, just it always seems to be a bit weird. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um Norwich have not won their last three, though um, they're doing okay at Carrow Road. Liverpool are just Liverpool. Yes. God knows how you're going to predict this one. I mean, I've got a feeling, I don't know, I keep saying I've got a feeling about Liverpool, but ugh, I don't know. I mean, I, I might just go for a draw. I just think the same thing. <laughs> Sit on the fence. Yeah, massively. Why not? Yeah, seems yeah. easy thing to do. Palace Spurs. Um, Spurs unbeaten in nine matches away, and the last one ten, uh, or last one ten unbeaten in October '95. Mm. If you remember that, '95. Um, not really. No, I don't really remember 1995. No. Not, not. I was like drunk or anything. I just <laughs> You're too I was, to get drunk. It's quite young. Um, yeah, I didn't start that far after that, actually. To be fair, but uh, I think Tottenham would probably be probably be expecting a win here it yeah. won't be easy but you know it'll be a sort of 2-1 away victory I would suspect I think so the Palace have lost their last three and they've only won two of their last seven at home it's not really sort of fortress Selhurst Park is it I mean it's quite a misnomer that yeah um, I, I, I think Palace are, are doing better away from home than they are at home which is always an oddity isn't it so um yeah, I mean, Spurs are a very good, very attractive side at the moment. They're, they're actually, I, I would say, they're probably the side in the Premier League that I most enjoy watching from a kind of almost an aesthetic point of view at the moment. So um, I, I quite like to see them doing well. Yeah, actually, Leicester Stoke is the next game. I'd say Stoke is probably the most interesting team to watch. This is the uh, the Peter Shilton derby, of course. Yeah, um, yeah, it's an interesting game, this. Um, prob, I would say probably the the pick of the the games. Um, 
but I don't I don't know who's going to win it. <laughs> so Well Leicester have got just one win in five. Um neither Mares nor Vardy have scored for just over a month now and Mares uh in that time has had no assists and two penalty misses. Mm, yeah. Um <clears throat> which considering that he, he obviously is second in the goal charts and heads the assists charts is like I was saying before uh, about them going out to, to Spurs in the FA Cup, you know, that is very worrying for them. Um, but if, if they can rekindle that, then, you know, um, then, then they'll be firing again. But Stoke are currently looking like a team that are capable of beating anybody on their day. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, I think that could be a really exciting game. Um, they've got five. Who, who'd have thought that we would have said that at the beginning of the season? Yeah, <laughs> Leicester Stoke. That would be really exciting, and not be taking the piss. Can't <laughs> wait for that. Yeah, <laughs> it's bizarre, isn't it? Who's oh, against Shawcross? I can't wait for that one. Oh man, honestly. Um. Oh, they've got the Danny Wallace derby next. Manchester United versus Southampton. Hmm. Yeah. Well, we've obviously, you know, we've we've had two good games in a row now. Scored five without conceding, and and it's because Kerman has gone to this 3-5-2 um, which he kind of dabbled with a little bit earlier in the season but um, I think he seems finally to be convinced that that actually having wing backs rather than out and out full backs is better because as out and out full backs particularly on the right hand side they're just not as good mm. um, and Ryan Bertrand playing at, at, at left centre back but kind of pushing up and making the spare man in midfield sometimes is it's working really, really well. Um, whether it will be enough to beat United, I I don't know. But this this again, I could see I could see this being a draw or or possibly even a sneaky away win. Well, Pele has scored three and three versus United. Yeah, but he is a doubt for this game. Um, How is he? Yeah, he's he because he was benched against West Brom um, and didn't come on. And and Kerman said today that he's uh, he's a possible injury doubt for it. So we might see Charlie Austin coming off the bench to, to make it 2-1 to Southampton with about 10 minutes to go. That's what I'm going for on this. Of course, this is also the battle of the um, Holiday Villas as well, isn't it? The battle of the Holiday Villas? Yeah. Um, Ronald Koeman and... Louis van Gaal famously fell out at Ajax. They don't get on very well at all. Mm. Um, and uh, Ronald Koeman built a, uh, a holiday villa in the Algarve for him and all the little Koemans and his wife to go and enjoy in the summer. Louis van Gaal went and built an even bigger one next door. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that tells you so much. It? it does. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sunderland <laughs> Bournemouth. Uh, Sunderland won two out their last three. Bournemouth two out their last six. Uh, Matt Ritchie and Lewis Graben will be available for this one. Yeah, Lewis Graben. Wow. Um, yeah, that's a good bit of business with Norwich, isn't it? They buy him for four and sell him for seven. Yeah, and he's not really going to do very much either. Um, I think if you're Sunderland, then it's encouraging that Jermaine Defoe appears to be coming into a bit of a streak. Yeah. Um, if you're Bournemouth, I guess you're going to hope that your new signings will will provide a bit of pep. Um, and you know, I, I think I think this game would be a lot more exciting if Bournemouth were the home team and Sunderland were the away team. But I can see this petering out into a really tedious match. Well, the first 15 minutes uh, this season, Bournemouth have scored the most goals of the league. That's seven, and Sunderland conceded the most in eight. 
So the first 15 minutes could be great, but the 75 <laughs> afterwards. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I would fancy Sunderland to win this, but in a pretty grubby game. Yeah, I think you might be right. Uh, Watford, Newcastle. This is the John Barnes derby. Derby's all over the place, eh? There is. Uh, They're everywhere. Of course, it's the Costal Pantilla, but no, it's not. He played for somebody else, didn't he? Uh, he signed for Sunderland, didn't he? Sorry. Yeah. Um, but he, he's just signed from them, hasn't he, to play for <clears> Watford? Yes, um, he has. I yeah, I I don't know. Newcastle are a curate's egg, aren't they? Really? I mean, they yeah. they should be so much better than they are. Um, Watford are obviously a lot better than they should be. So it's kind of I, I I would expect Watford to win this game. Well, they've lost their last four in the league. Yeah, they have. But then they, you know, one of those was against the mighty us. So like that's obviously a given. Um, no, I, I just it's you know they. They have been performing well. I don't. I don't think much about them has changed, no. uh, and and Newcastle do retain that fragility um, that that you kind of always makes you worry uh, if you're a fan of that side. So I think if Watford go ahead early, then it will be quite comfortable for them. If if it sort of stays nil nil for a long time, then then Newcastle might get a bit of confidence together, but. Uh- I was looking through the who's available for both these teams, um, and Newcastle have got a few injuries and seemed they sort of list them so um so and so out, you know, hamstring or whatever. It says Seam De Jong, uh, and then in brackets I and I thought, ow, that sounds you don't really see eye injuries very much in football, do you? No. I think I think Newcastle have I think I'm right in saying that they've lost the most play sort of like man hours, if you will, to injury of any of the teams in the Premier League. Oh really? Um yeah. Uh, yeah, I think they've they've got a horrendous run of luck, um, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs> um, West Bromwich Albion versus Aston Villa. Other than a local derby, can you think of anything interesting to say about this? Uh, no. Okay. West Ham Man City. Oh, I've been asked to ask a question about Colin underscore Render, uh, who's a regular listener. Uh, he's asked about Sam Byram. Now, I've never heard <laughs> of Sam Byram, so what I did. Is I asked Ross, who is a um, uh, he's a Leeds fan. Sam Byron played for Leeds. I think they've just been sold to West Ham. Um, so Colin, quote unquote, Leeds youth product from a few years ago, who's a big prospect, but Leeds have fucked him over with pathetic new contract offers and ultimately has to sell us. Now his contract is over in the summer. Twenty-two years old, 100, over one hundred and fifty games for Leeds. Ross doesn't do punctuation very much. <laughs> uh, joins the list with House and Delft, Milner, Lennon, Gradle, Snodgrass, and countless others. Full stop. There you go. Got one there. Yeah. So there's your answer, Colin. I, I, I would add to that that he um, he can play at right back or right midfielder. Um, he's he's good at bringing the ball forwards. He's good at crossing, but he's not rubbish at defending either. He's he's a good acquisition um, for for West Ham. I think he'd be a good acquisition for any sort of below the top six Premier League um, sides. Good signing. Yeah, I can see Man City winning this. Um, Man City, West Ham winning this. Um, yeah, I, I, I think Man City have been, again, so up and down and have won so... Well, have they won so many games late or is that kind of my imagination? It, it feels like they're a team that that sort of idle around the pitch for long periods of time, and then and then either Toure or Aguero pop up and do something remarkable, uh, and and they win. But you know, I, they just they're not 
they're not firing in the way that they they did when they won the title. I mean, fairly obviously, they're mm. not. Otherwise, they'd be winning the little at the top of the league. But um, there seems to be some sort of lethargy in that club at the moment, and whether it's Pellegrini or whether it's the ownership structure or that too many of those big name players have been there for too long. I don't, I don't really know, but um, yeah, I think, I think they're there to be taken by pretty much anyone actually on, on their day. Would you like a stat? Please. Um, since Sky TV invented football in 1992, West Ham have used the most outfield players in the Premier League. They've used 245. That's a great stat. Yeah. Considering some of that time they've been in the championship as well. Mm. Yeah, that's good going. Um, Everton Swansea, another stat. Gareth Barry has ran two hundred and sixty-one point six kilometres. That's the most in the Premier League behind Andrew Sermon, and very slowly as well. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he just ran sideways along the centre circle quite a lot. <laughs> yeah, just shuttling backwards and forwards. <laughs> um, uh, I can't see anything but an Everton win. I know they've not done brilliantly. They've drawn their last three games, but I, uh, and they had the stuff he knocked out them at Chelsea last week. But I can see than beating Swansea yeah when Everton come together they're a great team mm. um, and Swansea aren't going to provide them with particularly stiff opposition uh, so yeah I, I think you're right fair enough um, Arsenal versus Chelsea this is the Emmanuel Petit derby and William Gallas as well mm. um, I was thinking about the favourite memories of this game because obviously it's quite a big one the only two I could think of was the Canu hat-trick um when they were 2-0 down and they won 3-2. And the other one was when it was Wenger's 1,000th game in charge and they lost 6-0. <laughs> yes! Oh, that's cruel. Cruel for Arsenal fans. But yes, that was kind of hilarious. Uh, wasn't that the one where the wrong black man got sent off? I uh, believe so, yeah. Yeah, that was also quite good. That was, yeah, God. <laughs> How do you see this one going? Um, I, I would suspect Arsenal would win. Hmm. Um... But I think it'll I I think it'll probably be a really boring game um, because there'll be a lot at stake, and and that doesn't tend to produce particularly exciting matches. Um, so I don't know. It, yeah, that, that's my feeling would be that Arsenal will win, but not by a great deal, and that it'll be quite tedious. Yeah, since Hiddings come in, they've drawn four one two, haven't they, Chelsea? I mean, they've had is that a new manager bounce? Do you think? Um. Compared to what was there before, I suppose. Well, yeah. I mean, I think I think in that respect, like new manager bounces, uh, usually they last for maybe three games at most. Mm. Um, in terms of there being any kind of actual demonstrable benefit, um, and obviously that that isn't sustained in any meaningful way. I, I think Chelsea might be one of the the odd exceptions to that, in the sense that there was clearly something very poisonous going on behind the scenes there um, between Mourinho and, and somebody, whether it was some of the playing staff, whether it was the, the, the rest of the backroom staff, or, I mean, who who really knows about these things? But um, I think Hiddink is, is one of those kind of very safe pair of hands. He'll, he'll tighten things up. Uh, he's obviously still got a good squad available to him. I mean, there have been, you know, players like Ivanovic have obviously dropped off significantly in their performance. Oscar, um, Hazard are, are not hitting the heights that they have done. Uh, but if you can coax good performances, particularly out of of Hazard and Oscar, then, you know, you have the makings of a good team again. Um, and, and if, you know, I don't, I don't think they, they're going to be, I think, 
talk of them getting up into contention for the league by the end of the season is is frankly laughable. But they they should, you know, when people regress to the mean, they should be pushing for a European place by the end of the season. Um, I still think the top four is not out of their reach. Uh, no, I don't think it is. I don't know. Um, it, it's it, this season is just so it's so difficult to predict anything, isn't it? Mm. Um, because stuff that that even the most seasoned and respectable pundits and, and there aren't many pundits that I would put into that <laughs> bracket and I certainly wouldn't put me into it but um you know that there are a few people that I listen to and 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 they are still consistently getting things wrong and if you look at, at pre-season predictions you know they're laughably inaccurate almost across the board and I don't think that's because people have such preconceived ideas about what's going to happen that they don't you know it, it put it another way it it's always at the beginning of a season very difficult to see a top four which doesn't comprise Man United, Man City, Arsenal and Chelsea. Mm. Like it just is very difficult to see that. Um and obviously, you know, Liverpool come into that equation to a lesser extent, Spurs and Everton come into that equation. But it's not stupid to set off at the beginning of each season saying that one of those four big teams will win the league. Um, and what you've suddenly had this season is is people cropping up out of nowhere, like Leicester and, and to a lesser extent like Watford, um, and and shaking up the established order. And I think it makes it really hard to to explain anything that's that's gone on really, and and also to see what will happen by the time the dust settles at the end of it. Okay. Um, right. Well, that's our Premier League previews all wrapped up. Uh, shall we do a bit of five aside? Mm. Okay, so what we do here is we pick out a Premier League team uh, week by week and we go through every single... Well, we don't go through everything because every single player. Uh, we ask for uh, who you think would be the... would make up their best five-a-side team uh, using all their players that have played from throughout Premier League history. So we ask for one goalkeeper, one defender and three others. Um, last week was Liverpool, if you want to go back and listen to that. This week we've got Stoke City. Uh, so I've gone for... Actually, Mark's gone for the same team as well, so... Uh, this counts the same. I've gone for Jack Button in goal, uh, Ryan Shawcross, Matthew Etherington, Zeran Shakiri, and um, Bojan Kurcic. Uh, at Gorny7789 has gone Shawcross and whoever you want, which is good of him. At <laughs> <laughs> uh, ARPM57 has gone Begovic, Higginbotham, um, Liam Lawrence, Jermaine Pennant, who's now in Singapore, uh, and Jonathan Walters. I nearly said Mark Walters then. Um, and Ross has gone Begovic, Shawcross, Shakiri, Bojan, Walters, and you've gone for? I've gone for Butland, Shawcross, Shakiri, Anatovic, and Bojan. Okay. Um, now we've got three votes for Butland and two votes for Begovic. I could have gone either way, to be honest. Yeah, uh, I think that's fair. And I've, I mean, personally, I've gone for Butland because he didn't score a massive long range goal against us. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> which came up the last time I was on this pod as well. <laughs> oh, um, again, don't worry. <laughs> yeah, so fuck you, Begovic. Um, no, I, 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 Begovic was, was, is a very good goalkeeper. Um, I like the fact that Butland is, is young in English and should displace that preening idiot, Joe Hart, sooner rather than later. Well, that's why uh, I picked him as well. Yeah. Good. Young in English. I forgot you forgot you hate Joe Hart. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, we knew you were here, and so we'll both go for him. Um, Shawcross got five votes Higginbotham got one that's a given I suppose isn't it yeah I mean shout out to Danny Higginbottom ex of, of my parish as well um, oh yes 
good, solid, reliable defender, um, and and actually a pretty good pundit, in fairness. Um, but he's not as good as Shawcross, if we're being honest. No. So, yeah. Although he's he's left-footed and he does take a mean free kick, which are slightly in his favour. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but still not enough, I he's think. He's still not Ryan Shawcross. Fergie said um, he sold Ryan Shawcross to Stoke because uh, he got Gerard Piquet. Um, and then Gerard Piquet got homesick and obviously wanted to go home to Barcelona. And he said if he'd known that, he never would have sold Shawcross. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Yeah, I think so too. Um, right, so the rest of the team, we're pretty much in agreement with Shakiri and Bojan as are others. Mm. So we'll go with them. No, Kenway Jones. No, nobody that's, voted Kenway Jones. That's massively disappointing. No, I've always liked Bojan. I mean, I like Shakiri as well, but I've always liked Bojan. He's, I liked his flawed genius at Barcelona. Yeah, um, and his dad was a scout there. That's right. Yes, that's how. Mm. Um, because he's... It's how they found him. That's right. Oh, he's got... <laughs> here he is. I've got a football. Yeah. Look. <laughs> here we go. Oh, he's got a... Um, Spanish... Here's one my wife prepared earlier. <laughs> he's got Catalan parents and I think he's his Serb parents. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, and Shakiri yeah, like... Serb. Sorry? <clears throat> Sorry, Dad's Serb. Yeah. Dad's Serb. That's it. And Shakiri, like every good Swiss, is born in Kosovo. <laughs> yes. So we can go for him. I mean, I love him to bits. Absolutely love him. Yeah, uh, him, him, and um, Granite Shaka. Yes, who's another um, Kosovan Swiss. They're just they're both great names, great players. Whose brother plays for Albania? Uh, yeah, Oddly indeed. Enough. Yeah, um, but yeah. I mean, I remember when Liverpool were, were linked with Shakiri when he was still at Bayern Munich. And I just thought, yes, please. It would just be mm. amazing. And then, of course, he went to Inter Milan. Uh, and then well, when he it didn't really do very much. No, he joined the same time as Podolski, didn't he? Yeah. Um, and when it was pretty much obvious he was going to be leaving Inter Milan, my fingers were crossed for Brendan mm. to do what he should have done, but he went for Benteke instead. Yeah. Unfortunately. Oh, well. Um, right, you've gone for Onatovic. Now, me and Mark have gone for Matty Etherington. Um, yeah, why? Uh, well, he's Cornish for a start. That's not a good reason. Um, and he comes from about <laughs> it comes from a town about five minutes down the road from me. Uh, his uncle owns a meat processing plant, um, which sells very high quality butcher meat. And on the same complex, you've got uh, Rogers Food, which Rogers Clotted Cream, which sell the best clotted cream you can get. And they also sell. Uh, you've also got the Prima Bakeries, which sell the world champion Cornish pasties. Right. You've not offered a single compelling football <laughs> reason, though. I mean, this is my my mum's dad owned a sausage skin factory in Southampton, but yeah. I mean, it's, so what? <laughs> We're picking a football team. Um, Have you ever tried Rodder's Clotted Cream? I possibly. I I I don't really pay much attention. Have you ever had Clotted Cream on your on your breakfast cereal? On my breakfast cereal? Yeah, that sounds pathological. Oh, it's gorgeous. It's, oh God, no. Honestly, I can barely take clotted cream on a scone. I'm not going to put it on my fucking breakfast. In fact, yeah, I'll, <laughs> I'll be blunt with you. I don't eat breakfast. So do you not? No, 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 no. I'll, I'll eat brunch, but but my morning routine is very much a, a black coffee and a cigarette. Yeah, you see, brunch hasn't come to Cornwall yet. No, it sounds a bit urban for us. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose maybe I'm I'm from rural Hampshire originally, though I'm not I'm not a particularly urban person. 
Yeah, I just happen to live here and I've gravitated from <laughs> near Finsbury Park out to Richmond. So I'm kind of gradually regressing back to my roots. So you've sold out. Sold out of what? Well, you've sold out. You've, you've, you're moving west away from your sort of Finsbury Park, you know, keeping it real. Gotcha. <laughs> Absolutely. I kept it fucking real for six years. I've had enough of that. I'd like somewhere. I'd like somewhere where there are some trees. <laughs> no, I don't blame you. Uh, so right, I can't convince you with my meat and pasty and clotted cream argument. Well, I no, I think I think if there's a if there's a sensible argument for Etherington, and let's try and find one, um, it's that he's probably a bit more stable and a bit more. Uh, probably more inclined to work hard and otherwise you've got like Shawcross and Butland are both very solid but if you had the whole of Shakiri on Artovich and Bojan up front you would kind of worry that there might be gaps in midfield and I think Everton would probably fill those a little more assiduously well he made it quite young did he he was at Peterborough when he was 16 wasn't he and they sent <laughs> yeah. him to Spurs didn't they mm. so yeah. he's no slouch no, no, he's no slouch, and and I think he's probably yeah, he's probably a bit more. I mean, Arnautovic and discipline are not words that that appear in the same sentence unless the word ill precedes it. I do like ill discipline though. Oh sure, but you you want see I when I was thinking about this team, actually oddly the the one player that I debated was Shawcross, and I thought about having Jeff Cameron instead. That sounds very boring though. Right. But that's what you want occasionally, isn't it? You want somebody who's a bit more dependable and a bit more predictable. And and I thought Cameron could also do that, like the Mascherano, you know, defence into midfield transition a bit better than Shawcross could. And maybe maybe in this Stoke team with, with Shawcross, Shakiri, Arnautovic, you've got too many hotheads. Uh, yes. Balance that out with Etherington as a bit more, a bit more of a passive soul. Okay. And you've got the half-time food sorted what that what sausage skins <laughs> brunch yeah meat pasties and clotted cream yeah fantastic what kind of that's the sort of food you need to go play football with <laughs> well I, As that sits in your tummy well back in the 50s it was like fish suppers and half a pint of lager wasn't it so well it was Harry Ramsden's challenge for the Republic of Ireland team Right, you know. There we go. So is that, that our team, is it? Public of Ireland, that was probably the 90s still, wasn't it? It was. That was, yeah, that was Jack Charlton. Roy Keane <laughs> wrote about it rather scathingly in his book. Brilliant. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's our team. Yeah, I'm happy with that. Oh, excellent. So we've got Jack Bolland in goal. Good, good side as well. It is actually quite a good yeah. side, isn't it? We've got Jack Bolland in goal, Ryan Shawcross, Matty Edrington, Zerdan Shakiri, and Bojan Kurcic. So that is, yeah. yeah, that's not a bad team. No, it's cool. Uh, right, I'm going to stick my hand in my tin hat and I'm going to pull out Norwich City. Ooh. So we've actually got quite a rich history with Norwich City. We were talking before we set this up. Um goes back right to the start of the Premier League. Yeah. Yeah, well, I, which I had to, I will be honest, I had to Google. Um, but But was intrigued to see that they finished third with a negative goal difference and on the receiving end of the biggest defeat. <laughs> Takes some doing. I mean, that's like, I, I would struggle to think that there's a team that's matched that. Ooh, the, the, the Otherwise, the highest finish by a team with a negative goal difference. Leicester might be able to do it this season. Um, yeah, that's true. But they won't have been on the end of the biggest single defeat because there's always Sunderland. Yeah, yes. So. I suppose. Yeah. 
Well, I mean, if we can beat them 8-0 last season. <laughs> Anyone can. <laughs> like, we're not, you know, we're not famed for our high-scoring games. No. Um, have you got anything to plug or declare this week? Um, no, not currently. No? Okay. Um, I'll do this for Mark. Uh, issue 11 of the Football Pink is out in February. Uh, any... Oh, I've got a thing in that. Oh, have you been told you're in it, have you? Uh, that's the that's the recent one, isn't it? The one where we all had our deadlines and we were, we you had done it and I hadn't. Yeah, I've not been told if I'm in or not. Oh, have well, you been told? No, I mean you're just assuming. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> aren't you assuming? I don't know. I well, I hate to assume, but as... oh, okay. Well, I mean, it's I I would expect that if you know if we've submitted articles, they'll probably. They'll probably be in there, won't well, they? If not, I'll be a very frosty podcast next time you're on. Well, yeah. God, I'll have to find him. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Him down. Yeah, God, go to Milan. Yeah, we'll have to do that. Any excuse to go to Milan, we'll do that. Right. We yeah. should have a we should have a mobile podcast or yeah. something. Roman reporters. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, issue eleven of the Football Pink is out in February, um, and he's taking annual subscriptions for that. Uh, Colin and Ross and Adam will all be back on Sunday, hopefully, to review what you've been uh, listening to us predict. If you like what you hear, you can leave us a review on iTunes. You can also download us an Acast as well. Um, you can download the app from the App Store or apparently some lesser phones that have something called an Android. Um, you can download from that and leave us a review on there. Um, if they want to follow you, Alex, what's your Twitter handle? Uh, it's at AFH Stuart with an EW. There we go. Um, I mean, it's not at AFH Stuart with an EW. That would be a ridiculously long <laughs> Twitter handle. You, you know what I mean. We do. We're yeah. the discerning football pod. We know what you mean. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you ever so much for coming on. No, thank you very much for having me. And hope to have you again very, very soon. I have no doubt that will be uh, that will be arranged. Excellent. Um, and always remember to keep your man on the post. Yeah.